Hi everybody, my name is Andrew Sampson with the Sports and Live Events team here at Ross Video and welcome to this Expression Work From Home webinar where we are going to be covering an introduction to Tessera with a specific focus on applications for sports stadiums. Um, specifically, your typical sort of main display but at an odd aspect ratio and then also um, a ribbon display, you know, fascia, um, a, a field level ribbon that you'd see on a soccer field, that kind of sort of very wide um, but not very tall aspect um, video canvas. So we're doing three things. We're going to be building a scene to play back this clip. We can go ahead and take a look at this. Um, this is a 3840 by 1080 video clip, basically like an intro video, right? So we're going to be building a scene to play back this element and then to span it across two outputs. So we're gonna use Tessera to stitch together multiple outputs to play back this clip. So that's gonna be our first task. Our second task is to play the complementary ribbon that goes along with that intro video. Um, so if we take a look at this, same sort of style, but obviously a much wider aspect, okay? So that clip, if we go ahead and look at the uh, media info for it, that clip is 15,360 pixels wide by 80 pixels tall. Okay, it's 5994. All the clips we're working with today are 5994. Um, so based on a progressive um, video format, but the same would apply if you're working in 2997 or, or, or whatever. Um, the frame rate's sort of irrelevant here. You just wanna make sure your project matches that format. Um, so we're going to be playing these two clips first separately. So we're going to build scenes that are separate to play back these two clips. And then I'm going to show you a technique for building a master scene where we basically build one template in expression where we can apply multiple clips to it and use it as a single take item execution. So if you think of it in terms of like your stadium or your large venue, it would be one element you play from your sequencer that covers up multiple display surfaces in your venue. So this can be done in, in both ways. You can either build two items that you take independently, or you can build one item that you take that plays across multiple displays. And we're gonna show you how to do both. And we're gonna show you how to use the, the Tessera region mapper um, to handle both of those um, scenarios. The third thing we're gonna do is we're gonna build from scratch a little scoreboard, like a typical like you know uh, team versus team scoreboard, down distance, time, period, that kind of thing that would sit on the ribbon display, maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe offset to the left or the right, but we're gonna build a, a small scene that handles that purpose. And we're gonna show you how to use the region mapper to place a piece of content like that on an additional layer on the same display in a very specific region, okay? So we're going to uh, introduce you to a few concepts to start off with. Um, First and foremost, um, in order to do this, you must have the Tessera feature set on your expression system. Um, you will know if you have it, if you go to the edit menu, you go to Tessera and you'll see that these settings uh, are available to you um, to enable. It's really, there's really a not a lot to it, but um, the Tessera feature set allows us to do a lot of things. Um, first and foremost, it allows us to take scenes of any size and any aspect ratio and, and effectively um, distribute them across multiple outputs. And this workflow can scale to multiple outputs across multiple engines, okay? 
but the experience of mapping these uh, scenes is the same regardless of whether you're working on a, a standalone expression system or single engine as we call it or if you're working on multiple engines and spanning content across multiple outputs on multiple boxes that are all playing in sync with one another okay the region mapping process is, is very much the same between those two workflows with a few small differences that are more on the technical side of things um, we're going to focus on the single engine workflow so i'm working in a single instance of, a, of expression studio i have three outputs configured i have three virtual outputs configured if you are working with an actual output card right you would see the actual outputs here you'd see in if it was a matrox xmio or a matrox uh, dsxle4 card you would see um, the outputs listed here or any of the other vendors that we um that we that we support um so for starters let's enable tessera so we're going to go to the edit menu we're going to go to the tessera menu we're going to go to settings now mine's already enabled but if it wasn't this would be set to disabled this is the default state so expressions just behaving as a normal three channel cg system right now these three outputs would be behaving independently as frame buffers one two and three if i want to merge if i want to be able to start you know using the tessera feature set for region mapping i just need to switch this from disabled to single engine mode Right? And I'm specifically picking single engine mode because we are using Tessera in a single engine environment with one system. If we were working with multiple engines, that's when we would start you know, exploring these master and output node uh, modes. Um, we're not gonna cover that today. We're just gonna focus on the single engine side of things. So I'm gonna pick single engine. And then there's a few um, uh, settings here that we wanna take a look at. Uh, we're just gonna leave our engine ID set to one. Um, the region map selection, this is important. This is really a preference. So we haven't built our region map yet, but we're going to. And you can choose whether or not you want your region map or the, I guess the other way to describe it is the map, the, the pixel map that you're building for your outputs. Um, do you want that embedded in your project or do you want it to be global to this instance of expression? So there's pros and cons to either one of these selections, right? A global region map means that I can I can have a region map basically built for this instance of, of expression. Any project that I load on this system will adhere to that region map. So if you're working in a in a workflow where the region mapping is very stringent, we're always going to use the same region mapping. We're not changing the way we're, we're we're positioning pixels on any of the displays based on the production. All the productions are going to follow the same region mapping um, design. Then we can use a global region map. Using a region map from project allows you to embed the region map in a project, which means every time we load an expression project, that region map will load with it, which means you can load different projects for different productions and there will be a corresponding region map with that. So a perfect example would be a, a stadium or a venue that has multiple teams that occupy the same venue, right? And they wanna use different mappings on the displays based on the show that they produce for those two teams. They, they, their scoreboards are in different places. Um, their closed captioning windows are in different locations on different displays, depending on you know, whose production it is. That's a perfect example of where using project-based region mapping can be really advantageous because I don't need to change the region map as a separate step of changing the project. The downside to using region map from project means that you now have two region maps in two projects and they're not mirroring each other. So if, if I make a change to one region map and I know that that exact same region map change needs to be made in the other project, I have to go and make that change manually in that project. 
So just be aware. It, it can create a little bit of du a duplication of effort depending on which method you choose. They're both totally acceptable. Um, you gotta pick the one that works best for what you're trying to accomplish. We're going to use a region map from project. Okay, so we're gonna choose that option. Okay, so that is, Tessera is on. It's, it's happening, all right? Not a, big not a big difference, right? It still looks like expression. Um, and for the most part, it is. The big difference, right, is, is now we're gonna be working with scenes that are not your typical 16 by nine aspect ratio, right? So in my project, rather than just creating a new scene, all right, which would by default be uh, 1920 by 1080 based on my project mode, um, I'm not gonna use that option. I'm actually gonna create a new, so I'm gonna right click this time. So instead of hitting the new scene button, I'm gonna right click new custom size scene. When we open up this, uh, this menu for the new custom size scene, it's gonna give us options to input a frame size and a height. Okay, so you can put in whatever values you want here. 3840 by 1080, uh, 3840 by 540, uh, whatever. Whatever the specific dimensions of the scene you wanna build. Don't think of the size of your outputs necessarily as dictating how you build your scenes. Um, you may want to build a scene that just occupies a little 500 by 500 square on a 1920 by 1080 output. If that's the case, build that scene at 500 by 500 because we're going to use the region map later on to position that scene on the output where we want it to render. So that's the beauty of this whole workflow. You build the content specific to the dimensions it needs to be. You don't build the content to the dimensions of the outputs. Okay, big, big difference. So. I'm gonna start with my scene that needs to be 3840 by 1080. So you can just plug in these values. You can also save these as presets. So for example, my 3840 by 1080 scene, I may wanna save as a preset called um, full display. Full uh, display, display. Okay. So now I have a list of presets. I can pick my project size, my default project size, which is 1920 by 1080, or I can pick full display that's 3840 by 1080. Okay, so you can populate that list with as many presets as you want. It's totally up to you. So we're gonna go ahead and create this scene. All right, there it is. Here's our 3840 by 1080 scene. Um, we're gonna call this uh, full board video. You can name it whatever you want. We're gonna use this scene to play back full, full screen video clips on our imaginary 3840 by 1080 scoreboard. The next thing we're gonna do is we need to build an object in this scene to contain the video clips that we're going to play from it, okay? So we're gonna build a quad. Here's our quad object. I'm gonna give this quad object a name. We're gonna call it clip or whatever works for you, right? So Clip, um, its width is going to be 3840 by 1080. Okay, so it's the full size of the scene, okay? The next thing we're gonna do is build a material to put on this uh, object. We're gonna build a new material. So new material, okay? And on this material, we're gonna put a texture. And this texture is just gonna be an image. Now I have this picture called clip placeholder and uh, it looks it looks like this. 
Okay, we're going to set the object in our scene to maintain aspect ratio of texture so that any asset I apply to that object will just maintain its uh, original aspect ratio. So here it is, clip, placeholder, clip drop zone or clip placeholder. The reason I'm putting this on here uh, is really just as a, as a hint, right? If you're building out your show and you use this template, I'm going to want to know, uh, okay, this hasn't been fulfilled. I haven't put a clip on this yet. This is a blank template awaiting uh, a clip or an asset that I'm actually gonna use in my show. So this is really just a hint to the user. You'll call this up in preview. If you see clip drop zone, you know that there's no media applied to this template, right? So it's sort of just a, a, a helper. The second thing we're gonna do is add a video shader to this material. Okay. Now, what we're going to do here is not apply an actual video file to this video shader. We're going to add a video shader. We're going to leave it blank, no clip. But we're going to use this video shader to apply some default behaviors to this material in how we want any clip that gets applied to this template to behave by default. So I want any clip that gets applied to this scene to play once. I want it to automatically start, right? So as soon as we put the scene online, I want the clip to start. Um, I want to take the scene offline at the end of the clip, and I want to adjust the scene director to match the clip length. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna change the duration of our scene to match the duration of our clip, always. So anytime we apply a different clip to this, the duration of the scene will adjust to match. So effectively what we've done here is we've made a material that's default behavior is to play a clip from beginning to end and at the end automatically clear itself off the output. Okay, if we didn't if we turned take scene offline turned off take scene offline at end, right? This scene would then hold on the last frame, right? Which there might be an application for. So what you might find yourself doing is building multiple versions of these templates, right? Like full board video play once, full board video loop, full board video um, uh, hold last frame. Depending on the needs of your production, you might find yourself building multiple templates to handle different behaviors, depending on you know, what you're trying to achieve. But we're just gonna start uh, with those behaviors um, to begin with. The last thing we need to do in building this scene is publish this object. So we have this object called clip. We're gonna go to template links and we're gonna publish this object. Now publishing this object means that it is now replaceable. I can now put different content onto that object, different images, different video clips, solid colors, um, you know, any kind of you know, replaceable media can be put onto this object now. Okay. So our scene is done, that's it. That is the end of scene creation for our, our full board videos. So we're gonna go ahead and save this project. Okay. Now we need to build a region map. Okay, so this is 3840 by 1080. I have three 1920 by 1080 outputs. So there's obviously a discrepancy here. I can't put a 3840 by 1080 scene on a single 1920 by 1080 output. I need to effectively chop it down the middle and render one half on one output and another half on another output. And that's exactly what we're gonna use the region mapper to do. So I'm gonna give you an introduction to the region mapper to start off with. So we're gonna go to edit, Tessera, region map, and this will open the region map interface, which has nothing configured right now, blank slate, okay? 
So on the left-hand side, you have sources. On the right-hand side, you have destinations. And the thing you want to keep in mind, okay, sources, generally speaking, represent content dimensions or scene dimensions. Probably the best way to describe it. If I have a scene that's 3840 by 1080, I'm going to need a source that is 3840 by 1080. Destinations represent actual outputs. So in our case, we have three virtual outputs that are 1920 by 1080. So I, the first thing I'm gonna do here is just go ahead and build those destinations. Just get that step out of the way. So we're gonna go into our region map. We're gonna add a destination that's 1920 by 1080. I'm gonna call this destination uh, CH1, channel one, okay? And we're gonna add another destination and it's gonna be uh, CH2 and add another destination, it will be CH3. You can also give these more logical names. Like if I know, for example, channel three is where I'm going to play out my um, ribbon content, like that is going to be the output for the fascias. You know, you could call this uh, ribbon. You know, whatever works for you. It's, there's, there's no technical reason to use specific names. It's completely an organizational thing. Uh, so it's at your discretion. Um, the next thing we're going to do is on each one of these destinations that we've built, we're going to actually assign them. So this is the more technical part. We're going to assign them to an actual output. Um, so we're going to select channel one. And then in this menu that says output node, I'm going to leave the node select, uh, selected as local engine. So leave that as local engine. But we're going to change this from channel none to channel one. Okay, and we're going to repeat this process for all three destinations. So we're gonna to go to destination two and we're gonna make it local engine channel two. And then ribbon will be local engine channel three. So we have now mapped our destinations to the actual outputs on this system, okay? And again, this is a global thing. This is not something specific to the scene. I don't have to rebuild this. This I don't have to go through this whole process every time I build a scene. Um, you're gonna do a lot of work upfront with your region map in most cases and then as you build new scenes, you'll probably be adding new sources to your region map, but you won't be re-adding destinations. That's usually something that happens um, just at the beginning. Okay, so those are our destinations. The next step is we're going to build our source. So on the source side, I'm going to add a source. Okay. We're going to call this source, uh, I don't know, full display. And our source won't be 1920 by 1080. We're gonna change its virtual dimensions to be 3840 by 1080. Okay, so those are our dimensions for our source. Now we have to uh, add something called a region, okay? We need to be able to chop this scene into two pieces, one that'll render on channel one and one that'll render on channel two. So below, uh, uh, at the bottom of this window called the region editor, you're gonna see a button that says add. So this add button relates to the region editor and it means add a region. Okay, so we're gonna add a region. That region is going to be 1920 by 1080. So here's region one, okay? You can name these regions. I recommend you name these regions because these region maps can get very uh, elaborate depending on what you're trying to do. Um, if you don't name your regions, 
uh, you'll be hunting and pecking through all of these regions that are just called region one, two, three, four, etc. You won't really know what they are. Um, so I'm going to name this region uh, full display left. Okay, so that's that region. And I'm going to position it using these numeric values. You can also click and drag and it will snap. There is a snapping function in here and it will sort of snap to the edges or snap to other regions. Um, but I like to use the numeric values here to reposition things. And the region editor is, is the region editor zero point is at the upper left-hand corner. Okay, so that's zero, zero, right? So why uh, 20, for example, would be 20 pixels down from zero. Um, zero would be aligned directly with the top edge of the, of the uh, canvas. Our X position, again, zero based on the left edge. So if I position this at zero, it'll be on the left edge, which is where I want this region to be. So full display left, okay? Now we're gonna copy this region and paste it. And this will be full display right. And we're going to position it, again, zero on the y-axis, but now 1920 on the x-axis, a full HD raster to the right of our left region. Okay, so full display left, full display right. Now the last step to this is in our source to destination mapping interface. Okay, so this is where we actually associate regions to specific destinations. So I'm going to assign full display left to channel one, and I'm going to assign full display right to channel two. And notice this drop-down menu populates with the destination names that we had previously created. So this menu is going to auto-populate um, as we uh, as we make new destinations. So channel two. All right, so that's it. We've built the region map now for our 3840 scene. And we've, what we've basically done is say, take this scene, split it into two halves, play one half on channel one, one half on channel two. That's it for our 3840 by 1080 scene. So, okay. So we're ready to go uh, effectively, okay? There's a few other small tips that will make your life a lot easier. Um, if you're familiar with working in expression, uh, which I hope most of you are uh, to some level, um, you'll know that you can preset scenes when you build them to specific outputs and specific layers so that when they get added to the sequencer, they default to those settings. You can do the same thing with Tessera, um, but we we're not going to be dealing with frame buffers. We're going to be dealing with our source names instead. So it's a little bit of a different um, concept, but kind of the same uh, underlying idea. So if I go to my scene object, so full board video, I've selected my scene object here in the object manager. I'm gonna to go to the take item tab. I'm going to assign this to layer 500. I want, every time I play a full board video, I want it to play on layer 500, okay? And then I'm gonna to navigate to a new tab that you will only see when Tessera is enabled, that is the Tessera tab, okay? We're gonna to navigate to that tab and we're gonna set a default source template, okay? So we're gonna set this to full display. All right, and it tells you the aspect 32 by nine, 3840 by 1080. And you're gonna see the end result. We're gonna flip over to our sequencer and I'm gonna take this scene and I'm gonna drop it into my sequence. And you're gonna notice that it automatically assigns itself 
to layer 500 and output full display. Okay, so that's uh, the end result of making those changes. So we're ready to go, we're ready to play this. And we're gonna show you the outputs here. So we're gonna go to our user interface with our outputs and we're gonna go ahead and take this scene online. And we're gonna apply this clip 3840 intro to the published field that we've created. And so I've navigated away from my materials tab to my video files and I've just browsed the folder where that file exists. I'm gonna double click on it. It's going to apply it to my object and we're gonna go ahead and take it. I've also enabled uh, a column here in my sequencer called the countdown column. Right, if you turn that on or off, you're going to see this countdown appear, and that'll actually give us a duration. Now, because we had used our material and we had in our material we'd set it to adjust the scene director length to match um, the clip duration, um, we're going to see that countdown populate with the time remaining on the clip as it plays. Right, so we've created our 3840 by 1080 scene for playing back um, videos.